praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness and for his mercy. We thank him for one more opportunity, amen, to come before his presence to study his word. We're not worthy of it. We don't deserve it. And there's certainly anything that we've earned um, as far as earning the right to, to be able to do this. But this is, this is God's mercy you know, from start to finish. This is God doing what God does, and that's be merciful and uh, giving us uh, chances and giving us what we need in spite of what we've done. And we're, we're very thankful for, for the Lord every time he opens the door for us to come together to share his word so that he can improve us, so that he can make us better. We, we chisel off a little bit more of our old self and we become more and more like Christ. And that's a good thing. Brothers and sisters, we are continuing um, in our study in the book of Psalms uh, this morning. Um, this is the third uh, lesson in our um, um, new series that we're doing, our current series, which is uh, talking about uh, finding God. And I think we've already established uh, in a previous lesson that it really isn't so much that we're finding God. It's really talking about the God who lets us find him. Amen. Let's go ahead and start with our uh, our reading in the book of Psalms uh, 27, starting at verse one, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh? They stumbled and fell, though an host should encamp against me. My heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above round about me, above my enemies round about me, excuse me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Jacob, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seeking my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face will I see. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. May God have a blessing uh, to those that hear and read and do his word um, we thank God, as we always say, the blessing is in the obedience. It is in the doing. We are talking about this, the God who lets us find him or finding God. And we're thankful that we're able to get right back into this and we're able to talk about the word of God and really just um, dive into what God has for us. Now, uh, the la a couple Sundays ago, we did the second lesson in this series and we talked 
about a number of, of things um, in that. Okay, we um, are we're dealing primarily out of um, verse uh, number uh, verse number nine. Uh, and um, and we began to and we added on verse number 10. We've done the same this week also. Verse nine says, hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Now that's verse number nine. I'm not gonna read 10 uh, again uh, just yet, but we'll move into that. Um, shortly, the Lord willing. And we talked a little bit about that phrase um, in the last uh, lesson in this series. We talked about that phrase, hide not thy face far from me. Okay, And we talked about the other phrase, the next phrase, put not thy servant away in anger. And we learned a lot about that because we learned that when the Bible here talks about hide not thy face far from me, Okay. The hiding here that is being referred to really means to prevent something, including oneself, from being seen or discovered. And so what all of this led to, okay, um, when we couple that with face and we learn that face, when you talk about the face of someone, okay, you're talking about all that is connected to that person, every aspect of that person's ability, okay, to perceive and discern um, who you are. Okay. So when you hide from someone's face, you are totally hidden is basically what that means. That means all extensions of that person. Okay? And, I, and I gave you the example. Um, if you were, uh, if it was a king, okay, then if you were to hide from the face of a king, then what that would mean is, is not just, are you hidden so that the king physically, okay, does not visibly see you but all that is the extension of the king. So his rule and his reign. So that would be all the officials, that would be all the soldiers, that would be everything that is an extension of the king that would report back to the king. All of those areas, amen, brothers and sisters, all of those areas, if you were hidden from a king, then that means you were totally off the grid. That means you are totally undiscernible. If that's a word, you cannot be perceived at all. Totally, totally hidden. Not only does the king not see you, but anybody affiliated with the king can't see you either. You are totally hidden. And so we learned that when you take hide and you take faith as being referenced here, and we put all of that um, together, we learned something that God, there are times, and we talked about this, where God will hide himself. God has the ability to hide it, and there are times when he does hide. And we talked about both the positive side of that, and we talked a little bit about the negative side of that. We learned that the positive side of that, when God does hides from you in the positive sense, so when God prevents you um, from, from, from discerning him or finding him or perceiving him when he prevents you from doing that in the positive sense. So not as a result of sin and foolishness and all kinds of things that God would frown on. You're not 
doing something wrong. You're not trying to get away with, with, with sin and, and unrighteousness, and you're not doing any of that, okay? You are, by and large, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're staying in that word. You're consistent in your prayer. You're consistent with what the word tells you to do. Even then, there are times where God hides, amen? And when we say hide, we mean that he prevents himself from being perceived by you. And we learn that sometimes God does that in the positive. And when he does that in the positive, it's for the purpose of growing us. Okay. It will test us and it will stretch us. Amen. Amen. And we know this because the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. God, God, they're going to listen. God, when you, you, you got, when God gives you the word, okay. Um, and God makes that word available to you and you receive that word. So he's made it available, and then you receive that word, either maybe at church or 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 listening to it somewhere, or or hearing it. Maybe somebody stopped by and shared a word with you. Um, could come through many different means, many different avenues. So there isn't one um, particular way that it has to come. But 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 the end result is is that God sent you His word, and when God sent you His word, Amen. You received the word. You responded to the word. You internalize the word. Amen. Well, when God gives you the word, sometimes, family, we struggle with, um, with having to walk in that word. See, we forget, I believe, sometimes, and this is my own, this is my own observation of things. And I and 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 the number one uh, uh, object observed in this has been myself in these situations as well. But and, and that is what I've observed is, is that there are times where God pours the word into me and I know what he's saying and it's so good and it's so wonderful. But while I'm receiving it, I don't anticipate at that time that I'm going to have to live it. I don't anticipate. I know I have to live the word. I don't want you to think I don't know that. And we, we all know that. And I don't think that of you either. I know that you you know that. But you know how it is when you get the word sometimes and um, but and, and while you're receiving the word, the last thing that's on your mind while you are in the process of receiving the word of God, the last thing on your mind is the situation or the circumstance that you're going to have to go through in which you're going to have to actually pull out that word and use it. We never really think about that at the time when we're when we're receiving the word. We don't think about the day when we'll have to use that word. See, the word of God pulls us through all kinds of adver adversity. It just really does. But that doesn't change the fact that none of us like adversity. We don't want to struggle if we don't have to. We don't want to go through the down times and the hard times if we don't have to. I know I don't. If I'm being honest, I don't want to go through. I don't want to go through a lot of down times and a lot of ups and downs. But nevertheless, how will I truly know what God can do in a given situation if he never allows me to go through it? That's hard to, to, to fathom at times, but it is true. It is true. It is true. See, it's through going, it, it's, 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 it's by, it's through the process of surviving life's encounters using the word of God. It's those very circumstances 
by which God takes the word and causes it to leap off of the pages of a book and onto the pages of your heart. In other words, it becomes real, all the more real when you're able to live it. And amen. So sometimes when God, God prevents you from seeing him or finding him, it's so that you will use what he's already put in you. Amen. The word of God is not meant for you to just collect it and store it up and just hold on to it. No. The word of God is applicable, family. Friends, it is, it's usable. And because of that, don't think it's strange. And don't be dismayed that you run into circumstances where you get to employ the word of God. Yeah, I know you wish you didn't have to. I know I wish I didn't have to. Nevertheless, you're in it. And amen, that you got something to pull you through. So instead of us crying over spilled milk and all of this and how we don't win and bemoaning how we're in this, that, and the other, you know what? We need to lift our heads high to the Lord in adoration and in praise, not in arrogance and self-righteousness, but in praise and worship. And thank God that in the middle of the fire, he has given us a fire extinguisher that is his word. Amen. Amen. You need, you got to use it. And as you use it, circumstances will change. And when it's time again, you'll be able to perceive God, whereas before you were not able to do that. Now, that's the positive side. Then we talked about the negative side, and we went into all of that, and we gave you scriptures, and we talked about things that would cause God to hide our lack of faith. Now, we saw that in Deuteronomy chapter 32, uh, verse 20. Um, we talked about, we saw that evil doings and idolatry. Amen. Um, that will also cause God, that will result in God hiding himself. Now we're talking in the negative sense, okay? Amen. So God's not testing you. God is actually punishing you or God is chastising you, not detesting you, okay? Amen. And so evil doings, walking in unrighteousness, walking in uncleanness, God's gonna kind of have a problem with all of that. Amen. We learned that in the book of Ecclesiasticus or the book of Sarek, both of those names applying to that book, um, chapter 39, verses 19 through 20, we learn that God is aware of the works of the flesh, it says the works of all flesh are before him, and nothing can be hid from his eyes. That's verse 19. He seeth from everlasting to everlasting, and there is nothing wonderful before him. When it says wonderful, that means there's nothing surprising him. There's nothing new. So when Ecclesiastes tells you there's nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiasticus is confirming that very same thing. There's nothing wonderful before him. There's nothing amazing, meaning, meaning that, that he's seeing it for the first time, that he didn't think of this, that he didn't know about that. No, no, no. So the works of the flesh are completely known to God. And then we doubled down with Galatians chapter five. We looked at verses 19 through 21. And then we learned about what the works of the flesh are. The word of God says this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. It means they're revealed, which are these. Now you're making it plain in case you don't know in case you don't get it, in case I have never seen it. He says, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murderers, 
drunkenness, reviling, and here's the key right here, and such like, and such like. Meaning, and anything else likened unto the things that he just mentioned. So, no, we can't use excuse that, oh, I'm doing something, and that wasn't specifically mentioned in Galatians chapter. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It's covered when he said, and such like. That means not only is all the stuff that he just told you bad and all that stuff not what he wants, but anything else that's in that line, that is unrighteousness, whether he verbally mentions, specifically mentions it or not, it is falls under sin and it is a problem. And here's what the word of God says about all of that. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past. He said, I told you before once, and I'm telling you again. Amen. That they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not getting in. I'm not getting in. I can't get in with, I can't get in doing that stuff. And I can't get in doing stuff like that stuff. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> That's literally what he's telling you. You're not getting in. You can't do any of that kind of stuff and you can't do anything else. That's also wrong talking about you getting in. Amen. Amen. And see, and these are things that you need to, you need to understand. See, there are plenty of things in this list that he didn't talk about. He didn't bring up lying. He didn't say that specifically. Yet you can't go around lying talking about you going to heaven. You're not going. In fact, you lying. Right there. How do you know that? Because he said, and such like. God doesn't have to spell it out for you. Wickedness is still wickedness, brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter what coat of paint you put on it. Stealing is not mentioned in this list, but you will still go to hell <laughs> if you die as a thief. Well, I'm just being real. The world may put a gloss on it. They don't want to call it stealing. They call it embezzlement. I, look, you, you can do whatever. You can call it whatever you want. You can't make it in with that. Sin is still sin to God. He cuts through all the noise and all the coats of paint and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 and no. God got paint remover. You can paint up sin all that you want. You can dress it up all you want. You can make it look real good, state of the art and all that kind of stuff. Very attractive, very cool looking, very nice looking. It can be all of those things. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter at all. God got that divine paint remover and he's looking right through it. And guess what? He see what you're doing. And unless you repent of your sins and change your ways, you're not going to make it. You got to do what God told you to do. Amen. Amen. These things are important. So we learned all of these different things. Now let's add, let's build on that. See, not only, so lack of faith will cause God to hide. Um, evil doings and idolatry um, will cause God to hide. Um, the works of the flesh, <laughs> that, 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 th th those, those would be the evil doings. Amen. And we, and we dove into that so that you would specifically know 
or explicitly know what evil doings are, all that kind of stuff and anything like that kind of stuff, that's evil doing, okay? And God, and those things, family, will result in God hiding, not believing in him and, and all of these other things. But another, if we layer onto this, if we build on this, okay, we now know something, what will cause God to hide. But now let's talk just a little bit about when God hides, at what times will he hide? So in other words, Yes, God will hide when we walk in sin. But it is important to know the extent of what that actually means. What it means for God to hide as a result of sin. And in order to understand the depth of what that is, you got to bring in and take a look at the circumstances or the times or the scenario or situations in which God will hide. We know he will hide, okay? But let's look at the times that he'll hide because did you know that there are some times that some people think are exempt from the hiding of God, but they really are not. God will absolutely hide during those moments. Look at Isaiah chapter one, and I want you to look at verse, start at verse 15, and we're gonna go through verse 18, okay? Amen, amen. And when ye spread forth your hands, watch it now, I will hide mine eyes from you. Now notice, watch that. When you spread your hands, we spread our hands, in prayer, we spread our hands in worship. And notice what the scripture says, when ye spread your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. He says, I'm not gonna look at you. Watch this. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings. Remember, we talked about evil doings. From before mine eyes, God says, stop doing what you know you're not supposed to be doing all before my eyes because I'm watching. Still not clear, he makes it plain. Cease to do evil. Look at verse 17, learn to do well. That means learn to do good means you don't automatically know what to do, means you don't automatically know how to act. It means you got to learn it. Many of us get sidetracked and we get all bummed out on ourselves and all these different things because we don't want to go through the what? Learning process. We just wish we didn't make no mistakes and we just wish we didn't do this and we just wish we didn't. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good desire to not want to fall. You shouldn't want to fall and drop the ball. Nobody should want to do any of that. You should want to get it all right. But brothers and sisters, you have got to make room to learn to do just that. Listen, you've been doing what's wrong, living in sin. Many times a lot longer 
then you've been living in righteousness and you've been doing the right thing. Many of us stayed out in the world for a long time. Did all kinds of things out there. Things that we can't even mention. Despicable things. Dirty things. Unholy things. Yes, our rap sheet has been forgiven because we've been blood washed and water baptized, but that don't change the fact that I still have a track record attached to me. It's been forgiven. It's been expunged. And God don't bring it up no more, but I cannot deny the fact that I had my hands involved in things that I should not have been. And likewise, you. One scripture says, such were some of you. Such were some of us. Because of this time that has been spent in doing the wrong thing, we can easily do the wrong thing. We can literally sub almost subconsciously do it. Well, brothers and sisters, listen, if you've been doing the wrong thing, <laughs> especially a lot longer than you've been doing the right thing, You're not going to be able to just do the right thing on autopilot. I wish that is what it was. No, you're going to have to choose to do the right thing. And you it's going to be a conscious component to this. Through, why? Because you have to learn to do well. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You got to learn. You can't bypass the process. You spend a lifetime, I spent a lifetime practicing the wrong thing. So guess what? The wrong thing comes easy to me, comes easy to you. The right thing is not going to become equally as easy until you get more practice in, which means that you've got to keep, you've got to continually, consciously, through the aid of the Holy Ghost, choose to do the right thing. Read Micah 6 and 8. Right in there, you'll see exactly what God required you to do. You're only gonna, it's only going to get easier. You're only going to get better at doing it the more you practice doing it. Many people, many of us have, our, our head is too, too spiritually high that it is just ridiculous. We have ridiculous spiritual notions that when we come to the Lord and we and 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 we 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 get on his side, so we follow uh, Acts chapter two, 
and, and the, the plan of, of the process of salvation, the steps that we got to go through, it's all laid out right in there. And uh, chapter two, you can start at verse 36 and keep reading. And, and when we follow all of these things, we're obedient to the scripture. Okay. Not just in salvation, but just in living in communion with one another and with God, when we follow the word of God, to do that is going to take some work. Now, this is why God gives us the Holy Ghost so that we can do it so that you don't have to rely on your own strength to do it because you'll run out of steam. I'll run out of steam. So God thought of everything. That's why he gives you the Holy Ghost. That's why we get the Holy Ghost. Amen. But even though I have the Holy Ghost, I still have to consciously choose to obey. Every time you choose to obey the word of God, you are practicing the word of God. Amen. You're practicing righteousness. Every time you decide to walk away from something that you know the word of God tells you not to do, guess what? You are practicing walking away. You are practicing being obedient. Amen. Every time when somebody or something comes around and the Lord gives you that feeling, that, that urge, you begin to, he begins to stir and you begin to tell, you can tell that something's not right, that you're in the wrong place and you don't, you don't need to be here. And, 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 and maybe this ain't the place for you. Every time when God gives you that feeling, God gives you that, the spirit begins to move on you, letting you know that you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then you choose to be obedient to that and you walk away and you leave that environment. Guess what? You are practicing the spiritual discernment. You're practicing using the gift. You're practicing being obedient. All of these different things. And we can go on and on, but we won't. But all of these things that we are obedient to, according to the scripture, they afford us practice in doing the right thing. So the more I do it, the more I am practicing. it. And as you practice and as you keep doing what the word does, guess what? It gets easier and easier to do the word. It gets easier and easier to hear the word. Amen. So this is good stuff. Amen. Deuteronomy shows us that the times not Deuteronomy rather, but Isaiah chapter one, verses 15 through 18. What we see here is, is that when it comes to God hiding for the negative reason, so we're backing up, let's get back to that. When God hides because of our unrighteousness and our wickedness, you need to understand that that means that God can hide during and will hide during the times when you need him most. Amen. Notice what he said in Isaiah 1, verse 15. Amen. Don't lose, don't lose sight of that because you, you need to know that. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea. When ye make many prayers, I will not hear. 
Walking in sin and disobedience has some extreme consequences, things that you really don't want to be involved in, things that you can't afford to be involved in. Because when you walk in wickedness, when you walk in those evil doings, when God decides to hide, this is the depth that I was talking about. When God decides to hide, the implications of that is, is that he will hide when you need him most. He will hide when you really, really, really need him to hear you. He said, when you spread your hand, forth your hands, we think of all of the things that we, in which we spread our hands before God. Think of every scenario in which we spread our hands. We lift up our hands. We spread them high. Maybe we don't lift them all the way high. We lift them up part way. It doesn't matter. I want you to think of every single scenario under which you lift your hands. And when you do so, you're going to come to the, you're going to be, you're, it's going to all boil down to this. We lift our hands when we praise. We lift our hands when we worship. We end up lifting our hands when we're suffering. We lift up our hands and throw up our hands when we're discouraged. All of these scenarios in which our hands can go up, the word of God is telling you that God has not exempted those times from hiding from you. Notice what he said. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Watch this. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what the word of God is making plain to you and I? God says, you need me. And I want to be there. I want to bless you. But as long as you keep choosing unrighteousness, you are going to find yourself in a sticky situation. One that's so sticky, you really need my attention and I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to see you. Glory to God. You need to understand what that means. God sees everything, yet he can choose to close his eyes. And you don't want that. And I want to ask somebody who's listening to this, no matter where you are in the world, and no matter what time of day it is in your part of the world, has God closed his eyes on you because you just won't do right? Are you in a situation where you cry out to God and you need God to deliver you? You need him to hear you. You just need an audience with the king and it seems like he's so far away. He is. Because God is not going to parlay with sin. 
And it's not going to be until you repent of your unrighteousness. I repent of my unrighteousness. That when I lift my hands in adoration, it's going to mean something. When I lift my hands in praise and worship, he's going to accept me. When I lift my hands up in anguish and hurt, that he's going to come to see about me. But as long as I keep choosing wickedness and you keep choosing wickedness, not only will you experience God hiding, but you are going to experience him hiding when you need him most. See, when I praise and worship God, I don't want him to hide. I want him to see that. Why? Because he inhabits the praises of Israel, which means he inhabits, he inhabits the praises of his people. When I need God to show up and I am living right, you are living right, all you got to do to get an audience with God is begin to praise and worship. And you will invite God near. Your praise and your worship is attractive to God. It will cause him to show up without you even asking for him to show up. And you want the spirit of God to come in. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I can be bound and shackled in my mind in any other way. But when I begin to praise God with everything that's in me, I'm not worried about anybody else. I don't care what nobody says. I am going in 1000% with God because he loved me. He's the lover of my soul. He has saved me and I am going to bless the Lord. My, you hear what I'm, listen, when I decide that I'm going to do that, even when, and especially when I'm in the most dire of circumstances, I can just begin to praise and worship God and he'll come near. And because he comes near and the word of God says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Guess what? Well, if his spirit comes and there's liberty and he comes when I am shackled and when I am in chains, then what that means is, is that when God shows up, he will break the chains that bind you. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But if you are not doing right, friend, you're not going to be able to experience this. If I am not doing right, I am not going to be able to experience this. This, listen, I can be doing it right all now. I could be doing it right and, and have been doing it right. But if I deviate from that righteousness and I begin to walk in unrighteousness, then whereas God would hear me before, God will choose to turn a blind eye. He will choose to turn a deaf ear. And I don't know about you, but man, I can't afford that. I need God. I need God to be with me. So much so that it's worth 
humbling myself, repenting from my wickedness and getting right with God. And I want to tell you, it's worth it for you too. Stop trying to get away with stuff. And start trying to get some stuff away from you. Word of God says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We learned this, I believe, in the book of Philippians. That doesn't mean work to be saved. No, it means the things that you have been saved from, work on staying away from them. That's what it means. Work on walking away. It takes us right back to Isaiah. Learn to do well. That's one in 17, learn to do well. That's the A portion of that. Amen, amen. Our scripture said, Psalms 27, nine says, hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Watch this, let's add to it. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Thou hast been my help. There are many people who need help and they are looking for help in many different ways. <clears throat> and that's not uncommon. That's to be expected if you are in need it, it makes sense to seek help, amen. It makes sense to do just that because you are in need, because you are in trouble, because the circumstance, whatever it may be, is beyond your ability. So you require the assistance of somebody else. You need someone else to pitch in. You just need help for whatever reason. But in this and in this life, you're going to find that you're going to that you need help on many different levels. But you're going to find the greatest level that you need help in is in the area of your soul. Because your soul, when we are born, we disconnected from God. And if we gonna make it to heaven, if we're going to be with God, we've got to get reconnected. Once we, that's what the salvation process is for. Again, if you don't know what to do, Acts chapter two. Start reading at verse 36. You're going to get clear instructions on what you need to do in order to be a part of God's wonderful church. But after that, you're going to find that you still need help. Because the end result of that is that you obey the word of God and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the reason you get the gift of the Holy Ghost, the reason you get that in the first place is because you're going to need some additional help.
you're going to need some additional assistance. And it's good to know that help comes from the Lord. Look at Psalms 121, verses 1 through 3. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Amen. Amen. Who are you looking to when you need help? When your mind is besieged and your heart is undone, and you just don't know how you're going to get through and how you're going to make it, you got to know that God is your help. Because if you don't realize that God is your help, you are going to continually go to all the wrong sources for help. Now, some people know God is their help and they purposely choose to go to all the wrong sources. Ain't nothing we can do about that. That's on them. They're going to suffer the consequences of that foolishness. So we're not going to waste no time on them. They are willfully choosing the wrong thing. And the word of God in the book of Ezekiel chapter 18 is very plain about when a righteous man turns from his righteousness. Everything that he did, word of God says, will not be remembered. So it would behoove the person who knows that God is the source but is willfully choosing the wrong sources because they don't want to do the right thing. It would behoove that person to get that under the blood in repentance and get right with God because you're not going to make it that way. There's no such thing as once saved, always saved. That's an erroneous doctrine that the Bible absolutely does not and never taught. There is no way and no version of walking with God that ever allows anybody who chose God to unchoose him, walk in that state of not choosing him and living according to this world and still net or earn or gain heaven. That ain't never going to happen. Sorry, that, 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 that's, that's a fairy tale. Now that's one for the record books. That's a fairy tale if I have ever heard one. be right with God, and then you're going to decide that you're going to be unright. You're going to do live according to this world and then think that you're still going to get heaven simply because you got baptized one day and you was filled with the Holy Ghost once upon a time. No, 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 no. Jesus said, be faithful unto death. Brother, sister, you got to hold the line. The good thing about it is you don't have to actually hold it on your own. God will hold it for you. All you got to do is keep your hand in God's hand. You want to be kept, God will keep you. He ain't going to lose you. Not if you want to be kept. But if it's not a thing of if God, you know, it, it, some people think that some people think 
that because the word of God says them that the father have given me, none have I lost. They got a wrong interpretation of that scripture. First and foremost, that's a fulfillment of a prophecy concerning the disciples. But then if we, if we, if we zoom the magnification out and we look at it on a, on a higher scale, as it would apply to you and I, you understand something. God absolutely does not lose those who are his. But not everybody is his. And that's the problem. We assume because somebody said they are Christian or they said they are a child of God that they are, but their lifestyle is anything but marked by the righteousness and the presence of God. I submit to you that that person is not a child of God. That person is a pretender. They are not who they claim to be. You mean to tell me that God could lose what's in his hand? Hold on, wait a minute. God is polite, friend. He don't force nobody to stay. God will keep you if you want to be kept. And God absolutely will not lose you. But you need to understand something. No God will not and cannot lose you. But losing you is not the issue. It's not that God will lose you, but he will let you go. I hope you hear it. I hope you, I hope you hear it. No, he don't lose you. God know right where you are. But just because he's going to lose you don't mean he won't let you go if you want to go. God's not going to force you to God's not going to force you to obey him. He is giving you the opportunity and the right and the privilege to choose heaven or hell. You need to make a choice. And a choice to serve God has to be followed with a choice to stay with God. Because God remains polite to the very end, meaning what? He at no time is going to force you to stay. The scripture does not teach once saved, always saved. Don't buy into that lie. Because many people who have bought into that have tried to use that as justification to get ungodly and act ugly for just a little while. Talking about, well, you know what? I'm going to sin now. I'm going to do this now. God will forgive me later. I'll repent later. You better be careful with that. Don't let that sun go down on that foolishness. Don't you die in sin. Because he already told you what's going to happen. And he's no respecter of person. God's going to let you have it. I'm telling you right now, God's going to let you have it.
Help comes from the Lord. Our assistance comes from the Lord. And David says, thou has been my help. He recognized that all of the assistance and everything that he's been privy to that has come his way. He's recognizing that God has been there. Through thick and thin ups and downs, it was God who stayed right there. So he uses that phrase, thou has been my help. That is a phrase that pays respect to all that God has done. When you are in a situation and you need God to do something for you now, one of the best things that you can do to honor God is not be so ungrateful to where all you're concerned about is getting something else from God, no matter what it is, but rather that you would stop even in the midst of you needing, even when that need is extremely great, you show great honor and respect to God that in the midst of your need, you would set your need aside for just a moment to acknowledge God and tell him thank you. Because that's what David was doing when he said thou has been my help. He was acknowledging God. Are you acknowledging God today? I know that circumstances are not ideal for some of you. Many people are dealing with a lot of different things. There's a lot going on right now. So much so that it would make sense if you were to take a lot of time and focus on nursing your wounds, licking your wounds, so to speak, and just being caught up on that. I don't think anybody wouldn't understand that. But God is your apps. God is the source of your strength. He is the absolute reason for the season. Let me tell you something. He might not be the reason that got you in the straits that you in in the first place. That could be from our own doing, our own sin. <laughs> but regardless of that, he is most certainly the one that can get you out. He might not have had a hand in getting you in because sometimes we're in because of our own unrighteousness. But you got to humble yourself and you got to repent. Why? He might not have been the one that got you in it, but he most certainly going to be the one to get you out. You need his help. You got to stop trying to do all this on your own. Being so arrogant and haughty and high-minded. Man, sideline that foolishness. You don't need any of that. David said, thou has been my help. At some point, family, you got to go back and take inventory over what you've been through and what you come through. And you have got to realize that, guess what? God was there. Some of you have, are, have, have, have entered a cycle of blaming God because you wanted God to do something specific. You erroneously believed that God was on the hook to do X, Y, Z. 
but the word never promised. The word never said God had to do whatever it is you wanted him to do. And so because God didn't do something that you wanted him to do for you or for somebody else, you've entered a cycle where you're blaming God. You think that you got a right to be mad at God. But you tell me, how does the creation sit in moral judgment of the creator? How does that work? When did the creation gain a throne above the creator? Thereby taking the right to judge the creator. And all because he didn't do something that you wanted him to do, that you needed, that you felt you needed him to do. And you got so mad and so blinded by that anger, you just kind of been mad at God ever since. Listen. Listen, listen. The word of God says, go back to Isaiah, chapter one, and look at verse 18. Come now. Let us reason together. Let's talk about it. Say it, the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, crimson, they shall be as wool. You've been mad at God for so long. And you've been mad unjustifiably. You forgot that he's God. It means he's sovereign. He don't have to do anything other than what he says he's going to do. And many times we, because we don't know the scriptures and we don't understand, we interpret everything that God is saying in the scripture as a promise or somehow God making a specific promise to us to do X, Y. No, 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 no. You don't get to do that. That is a misuse of the word of God. Not every promise in that Bible that you read about is a promise to you. Sometimes you are going to read about promises that God did for somebody else. You cannot just take the word of God and just recklessly Apply it, especially all the things that you think are good to your life. Hold on. How are you going to do that? Just because you want to. We recklessly use the word of God and we act as though everything that we read, God is promising us something. He's not.
He's teaching you something, but he's not always promising you something. But because we have a misunderstanding of that, we we misinterpret some of the things that go on and we take those things to be as if a commit as if they were a commitment to from God to do something. And, and then all of a sudden, when he doesn't do that, we're all bummed out and we're all mad. Listen, Isaiah chapter 1, 18. Come, let us reason together. It's time to lay down the anger and it's time to stop fighting against God. And it's time for you to hear him out. Because you still need God. You might have poked your lip out and got all mad and huffed and puffed and all that kind of stuff. And you call yourself making a point. You're just going to resist God. Listen, did not God tell Saul before he came, Paul? Saul? Why kickest thou against the pricks? In other words, Saul, why are, you, why are you fighting? You only hurting yourself. You kick it up against the altar. And all you're doing is hitting you. All you're doing is hurting yourself because you're tied to it. And the longer you kick, the more you're going to hurt yourself. See, you're tied to the altar, but God's not going to force you to get on it. You got to present your body as a living sacrifice. It means you got to choose to crawl up on there. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, that's all that we have time for for today. And we thank the Lord for that. We will pick this back up next week. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.